Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the Global Founders Podcast. This is Drew Precious, Director of Communications at the Presidential Precinct. On Global Founders, you will hear from trusted voices who are working to further any of the precinct's six core focus areas. We hope that these conversations will spark new ideas, encouraging and empowering leaders in their work, ultimately moving us all towards the precinct's vision of thriving, just, and free societies worldwide. And now, on with today's episode. All right, welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm so fortunate to be speaking with Lala Torre. Uh, she is an alumna of the Presidential Precinct's Mandela Washington Fellowship in 2021. She is a young Gambian award-winning poet, uh, a force for human rights and anti-corruption work in her home country, the Gambia, um, and really a fierce proponent of young women engaging in politics um, and participating in the political process, both in her country and abroad. Uh, Lala, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you very much, Drew, for having me. It is an honor to be here with you today. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I just want to start off by learning a little bit more about you or sharing a bit more with our audience about your work and, and what you're most passionate about. Right, so I walk around, I walk within the civil society space in the Gambia, and my work focuses on promoting women's right to political leadership, political representation. Um, and this is the work that I've been doing for about five, six years now. Um, and I also work with the National Democratic Institute Gambia office, where I serve as the senior program assistant working on projects around centered around promoting democracy, promoting open governance, promoting the the issue around substantive issue-based political discussions within the Gambian political landscape. Um, So I also work with youth groups to promote youth participation in electoral processes and political processes. So my work basically have revolved around participating or contributing my part as a Gambian to the consolidation of democracy from 2016 um, to date as the country is slowly transitioning from what it was for 22 years, which was a dictatorship to a more democratic, a more progressive democratic dispensation. Wonderful. Um, and, and anything else just about that political landscape in the Gambia that you would want to um share with us today just for for context. I know that is a huge transition and and 2016 really not being that long ago. um, That's a lot of work that you and and your peers in the country have accomplished in a short time. Yeah, um, it it has been a lot of work this past couple of years because we we came from um, a place that was really, really that um, coming from um, there was a history of human rights violation, a history of, you know, atrocities that were committed, the rights of Gambians that were violated in, in, in very um, bad ways in this country. And um, from 2016, from 2017 to date, there's, there's been a whole lot of transitional justice mechanisms that have been put in place. We had the constitutional review um, we had the TRRC, the truth-seeking process. We had other mechanisms that were put in place, security sector reforms, to ensure that we heal as a country, 
as a people, we reconcile, we accept the things that happen, but also put in place the needed mechanisms to ensure all the things that happened for 22 years in this country do not get to happen again, that Gambians do not have to go through that experience again. Um, and it has been a lot of work for a lot of us because there's been a whole lot of unlearning and relearning for us mm. as a people and as a country. And it, it, is, it is very sad that obviously some of these transitional justice mechanisms that we had failed, like the draft constitution, because we realized that a lot of the things that happened in the Gambia were empowered by the law, the same law that was supposed to promote citizens' rights, that was supposed to ensure justice and peace prevailed in our country. So there was a need to review that law, to redraft it in, in such a way that it is going to reflect on the type of society, the type of country that we want to build um, in this country. Um, but unfortunately, it did not pass through the parliamentary scrutiny process. We were not able to go through the referendum to get a new constitution, but there's still work, we are still working around that to ensure that it is reintroduced, but also specific, context specific on what I do, which is to promote Gambian women's right to political leadership and representation. It has been, although the democratic space has opened up, it has been a huge challenge. And this is due to the patriarchal nature in which the Gambia is set up, the Gambia is a highly patriarchal country, the highly patriarchal societal construct. So it's very hard in as much as we have a democratic system which promotes inclusion of marginalized groups in political processes and governance processes. It is very hard to achieve any meaningful goals or any meaningful um, 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 vision with regards to female representation because it comes back to different societal factors, cultural factors, financial factors, all of which hinder the political representation of women. Recently, we had a private member bill that we we're trying to get into parliament to have a quota representation of women in parliament. Unfortunately, mm. um, it did not pass through because there was no quorum. The national assembly members did not show up to vote for that bill, which is very unfortunate. But yes, there has been some change. There has been some meaningful progress that has been made. And we are really hopeful for the future of this country. Wow. Wow. So that that really answers um, many of the questions that I had for you um, and, and really, I think, illustrates a very clear picture of, of what you all face on a day-to-day -day basis and some of the victories um, that you've been able to see, um, certainly you know, gaining some forward progress as the country moves forward and into a more democratic environment. I think, you know, you talk about the patriarchal culture and just some of these norms that have been around or, or maybe kind of hang around from uh, the, the previous uh, way of governing. So, uh, you know, it makes me think our, our International Women's Day theme this year is break the bias. Um, and I, I feel like your particular context in the Gambia really speaks to that, um, really speaks to the need for that um, in a very direct and clear way. So I guess one question I wanted to ask of you that maybe we could all take away from today, what kind of are the responsibilities of all of us to contribute to that? When you have something that's so rooted and integral to culture as a whole, um, what does it really take to start to kind of work away at that uh, on a cultural level? It takes, um, there is a need to first 
change the normalized mindset that we have in country, especially in the Gambia, particularly the Gambia, that whenever you speak about gender issues, whenever you speak about women's rights, it is made a competition between men and women. It's always the them and us mentality, and that has to change. This is not, um, it's not a competition of two genders. It's not a fight between two genders. This is, this is women coming up to say, we have the same right as you have in the same societies that we live in. We deserve to have access to the same opportunities that we have access to. We have what it takes, we are qualified enough, we are competent enough. We have the right and we have what it takes to lead the same way you have the right to lead. Um, and there's a lot of bias when it comes to gender justice, gender equality. And when you talk about these things, when you have these conversations in the Gambian context, because there's a lot of people like me, I am Muslim. I, my family background, everybody is Muslim in my family. Um, but when you talk about these things, when I talk about these things, the first, people, the first thing that people tell me is, oh, you are brainwashed um, Western activist who has no regard for our culture, who has no regard mm. for our religion, which mm. is very wrong. Most of them that say these things to me, that say these things to me, I am more religious than them. I get to practice my religion better than them. This is not a question of religion or what one, what one's, what an individual believes in. It's way more than that. It's making sure that we live in societies where people do not have their rights trampled upon where people can get to enjoy their privileges, they can get to enjoy opportunities, they can get to enjoy their lives to the fullest. Um, but it is very sad and it actually there are different factors. So there's the cultural factor, there's the societal construct and how for the longest time, um, women have been made secondary. You're told that it's not okay for you to speak too loud. There are certain instances where you're not even supposed to speak because okay. men are supposed to do the talking. Mm. And then you come into the political landscape where there is a total lack of political will and commitment to change these things. So mm. in the Gambia, data will show you that women have been participating for the longest time down the country's political history, from the establishment of political parties in the 50s to the fight for independence in the 60s, to when we had our first presidential election in the 80s, women have been leading political activities. And hmm. to date, political party structures depend on women for their grassroots mobilization to get the votes that they need to get into office. But it is this same woman that they will deny the opportunity to be represented, to get representation. And I do think there is, you know, an opportunity for all of us in some place to contribute here. Um, I, I do really appreciate um, you pointing out that, you know, it, it takes men, women, you know, uh, everyone really to contribute towards this, to stop seeing it as such a us versus them or, or really a zero sum instance um, and, and really more of a this works better when we are in this together. So I, I guess, you know, just uh, on a, a note of, of what we can look to or what we can aspire to. I wonder is is there any sort of example where you've seen this done well or something that we can kind of look to as an example? Um, I know just for me in my uh, conversations with other Mandela Washington fellows, um, other visitors at the presidential precinct, 
we hear a lot about Rwanda having the first uh, female majority in parliament um, and, and kind of having that as a model. We certainly have a model in former President Sirleaf of Liberia. What are some of the models and the examples that you look to um, as, as you work in this field? Right. So in, in countries like you mentioned in Rwanda, in Ethiopia, even in Uganda and the United, United States of Tanzania, they have a quota representation um, of women, at least a percentage representation of women in, in parliament or in political processes. So we have seen how this has contributed to massive development, massive change in these countries, where these women are able to add their voice, where they're able to participate in decision-making processes, where they're able to influence policies and programs that in so many ways influence or impact the lives and livelihood of the citizens of these countries. Um, and this is something, this is a similar, because it has worked so much progressively for these countries, um, other countries also try to adopt it. Gambia tried to adopt it. Nigeria recently tried to adopt it, but it failed in both countries, unfortunately. But just seeing the impact that this has made in these other countries um, should be a good reason for other countries around the world to also acknowledge that there are existing challenges that limit the representation of women. But if we come up with these policy interventions, from our part as political leaders, as the government, come up with these interventions that would create the needed spaces for these women to take part in political leadership and be represented, then we would actually get to achieve the amazing things that these people are achieving in their countries. And uh, the argument a lot of time is, oh, you're trying to give a free ride for women by coming up with a quota representation. It has nothing to do with giving a free ride to women. This is to acknowledge that when women and men contest for um, the same positions due to existing bias, due to existing stereotypes and patriarchy, it is very likely that the male, the men, the male contestant will get to win that seat over the woman. And in instances where the women win these cases, it is a very small percentage. And that goes against the principles of promoting inclusive democracy and inclusive political leadership. So hmm. I think there's a lot to learn from these countries, to learn in a sense that um, on how to go about bringing together stakeholders and strengthening partnerships to ensure that we can come up with these interventions, get them passed and made into laws, but also getting the needed women, qualified, competent women to take up these positions and prove that women have what it takes to lead in political systems. Absolutely, absolutely. And those, those models, those examples can be so powerful. I know that you uh, in particular have, have really made it an important part of your work and your career to invest in, in younger generations, to help young girls and women uh, in the Gambia and really all over the continent see you as an example. And, and so you really are one to practice what you preach uh, in that regard. And, and we um, really, you know, look up to you in that way. Um, what would you say, or what do you say to younger, um, aspiring, politically engaged women, um, people that are really uh, pursuing this idea of inclusive politics that, that you bring up a lot, um, but maybe are a little discouraged or really feel like the, the cultural norms or the way that it has worked for 
X number of years um, really is just too tough to beat. Um, what are your words of encouragement um, to those young aspiring political leaders? Yeah, it would be to not give up. As a young woman who got into these political spaces um, at a very young age, I know how challenging it can be um, being within these political spaces, but also even outside these political spaces, just as advocates and activists trying to work to promote um, certain standards of democracy in our country. I know how challenging it can be, first because of your age, but second because of your gender. Um, it's not always the most pleasant um, type of work to do. Uh, but it is rewarded in, in a mm, sense mm. that my motivation throughout these years that I've worked in this space has been to make sure, has been Gambian girls and Gambian women. So my advice would always be do not give up. It can be challenging. Sometimes you go to bed and you're, you're crying, you know, you cry most times because mm. it's really so hard. But at the end of the day, you're going to achieve great things and it would be worth it it would be worth it hmm. Hmm. well wow thank you for that incredibly honest and inspiring summary um of of really the importance of the work that you do um yeah and i i know uh that that will do nothing but encourage others to to join alongside you i know we have many others in this network who are working also tirelessly um for the rights of young women in their countries, um, whether it be politically or in the civic space um, and in more of the NGO community. Um, thank you for that reminder and, and that encouragement. Lala, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it, it's been an honor. We've learned a lot, I know, and uh, I look forward to staying in touch and, and uh, so grateful to have you here as a part of this Presidential Precinct Network. Thank you so much, Drew. It's been an honor.